everybody. Good evening. Seven o'clock on the dot. I am excited. I am fired up for tonight. This is the Yard Sign, everybody. Johnny Torres, your host as always. We appreciate you for listening, watching, whenever, wherever you may be doing so. It is uh, the most important relevant podcast in Florida politics, and we've got an incredibly special guest for you tonight. Uh, you know, we've kind of been working on the scenes uh, for this uh, for a little while and uh, excited to see it come to fruition. Um, but uh, lots of topics as tonight is debate night here in Florida and uh, certainly Florida is going to be watching but I can assure you the rest of the country is going to be watching as well as uh, Governor Ron DeSantis takes on former governor and current congressman Charlie Crist uh, in the one and only debate I believe that's going to happen before election day as we are now two weeks away uh, from the big day even though lots of people uh, have already voted uh, and uh, we're going to get into a little governor debate preview as our opening topic of the day. Also uh, thanks to our special guest we're going to be talking a very important topic uh, that uh, really has also shifted in, in politically, uh, I'd say over the past decade at least, uh, and that would be criminal justice reform. Uh, and then inflation to the moon. Is it going to be uh, the uh, element that takes down Democrats here in the midterm elections as, uh, again, they are trying to make the conversation everything but the economy? All right, so let's go over to... The big table as we uh, have enabled David Cabrera, my co-host, joining me as always, and State Senator Jeff Brandis. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hey. Good to be with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, man, incredibly exciting, you know, to have you. You know, I, I, certainly when I was uh, working on the government side, I got to see you a lot more often. Hasn't been the case, obviously, since pre-COVID, uh, but awesome to have you here in our studio. Uh, I'm always excited to kind of pick your brain because uh, while, you know, much like this show, while we all kind of tend to fall on the same side of the aisle, we have very different perspectives, very different ideas. And certainly when it comes to ideas and comes to having a vision for the state of Florida and for policy in general, uh, again, you're, uh, you know, right up there as one of the most creative minds, I think, in public policy, uh, I would say, you know, along with, you know, our good friend Jamie Grant you know there's very few guys I think that really take the time to think about what's next and how can we fix things and actually make things better uh, rather than just kind of piling on laws year after year yeah I agree I mean so much of politics I think the big thing that I've learned after the last you know decade in the Florida Senate is uh, you know it really takes a vision and a champion to get stuff through the legislative process mm -hmm. and you have to you know so many legislators kind of come in and they don't really know what they want to work on. And so they're kind of like the dog that caught the car and they're like, what do I sure. do now? Yeah. And so I think what made our team difference is, is we thought like there's one big idea in every area of public policy and we wanted to find out what that big idea was and we wanted to work on that. Mm -hmm. And so we'd spend our summers working on the big idea and then uh, and be able to present those. And so we, I think every area of public policy has a big idea. Now we don't do healthcare or some of the other areas, but sure. um, you know, criminal justice, property insurance, transportation, housing, affordability, all areas that I, I thought, you know, let's find the big idea in these areas and try to drive those forward. Well, and, and again, it's one of those things you don't want to spread yourself too thin. You know, I come from a marketing background, and when I'm teaching people how to do marketing, I say, you know, kind of pick somewhere to start, start small, and then build on that. 
you know, because I think too many people come in and try to do everything all at once. And actually, a lot of the candidates, as I get to meet them, uh, you know, going into their campaigns, I that's usually my first question what is that you want to accomplish? What motivated you to run for office? And if you can't answer that, you probably shouldn't be running for office. Yeah, I, I would think that most candidates actually don't know what they're ultimately going to end up doing. Like they yeah. were like, oh, we're going to come, you know, reduce regulations, lower taxes, and you know, whatever else. So right. they'll, the they'll, have the, they'll have the third thing, right? Yeah. But when they get in, they're like, all right, now I have to fix the fleet vehicle program for the state of Florida, or now I have to like address the flood insurance market. And they have no background in that. And so they have yeah. to quickly figure out like, how do I find the experts who's got the best ideas you know what 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 is my true north as far as public policy goes and how do i begin to now educate the legislature and educate my colleagues that my policy is the right way to go forward you're now uh termed out unfortunately that's the look today uh, this is called you know this is cool i love it no <laughs> i love termed it out look <laughs> and uh you know, uh, hopefully we'll have a great win, you know, in uh, Nick DeSegli, you know, to uh, to take over your district. Um, you know, he's, he's a good buddy of mine. But given now versus, you know, when you were green coming in first year, you know, what do you what, what's been the biggest change? Because, I mean, gosh, I think about just in terms of leadership, the, all the different personalities we've seen over your time in the Florida legislature. Uh, what, what, what has been the biggest change that you've come across in as you're now kind of exiting the legislature? I think my big takeaway is everything in Tallahassee is tactical. There's no strategy. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about that, like how do we actually put together and solve these problems strategically when every two years we're doing tactical moves? And we don't know that whether we're moving the ball five years forward or we're getting, you know, we're moving it five yards back or we're getting sacked. Is it because of the short terms of? I think it's because you have two year speakerships and two year Senate presidencies mm -hmm. and a four year governorship and the governor can wait them out. And, you know, the speakers have their one or two priorities that they want to get done and they may not be the priorities of the next person. I mean, right. we understand like we've gone years where we've, we've voted to put billions of dollars away for roads. And then the very next year we've decided to get away from those roads completely and put all that money back in the budget. Why? Because you went from one Senate president to the next Senate president. Sure. And so, you know, there's not a lot of continuity of ideas and therein lies. I think one of the big challenges Florida faces is, you know, I'm a fan of term limits. I'm a product of term limits. Had there not been term limits, I would never have gotten in the Florida Senate or sure. Florida legislature yeah. probably. Um, but at the end of the day, like I think term limits probably in Florida are too short. Like I'm probably closer to like 10 and 12 than I am, you know, a hard eight. Okay. Uh, but also the speakerships and Senate presidents, she should actually be four years. Well, and I think back at looking at the impact that you've had, uh, not only in your district, but really on policy statewide, I, I mean, I would, I would tend to agree with that. Um, you know, what I wish is that we could also adopt that at the federal level. No, no, know, because I, they I have the opposite problem. Right. Oh yeah. They, they, they have eternal <laughs> lives there. Yeah. And so, uh, before we kind of get further into what you're working on and, and what you've been working on, uh, here in approximately, you know, about 50 minutes, we're going to be having the kickoff of the first gubernatorial debate, uh, between governor DeSantis, uh, governor Chris, uh, two Gentlemen, I'm sure you know very well at this point. I do. Um, but, you know, I don't know if, did you know Governor DeSantis from way before? Because he is a Pinellas guy? No, I didn't. Okay, got it. All right. But but certainly coming up as a congressman and then now being governor. And you've seen all the various iterations of, of Governor Crist or Congressman Crist. <laughs> the metamorphosis. You know, it's, uh, I mean, really, and, and 
just like as different as those two gentlemen are, I mean, our party has also changed quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, between those two administrations. Absolutely. Um, what you know, what 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 are you thinking is going to happen tonight? I mean, because they're both it's going to be a they're both slaughter. great politicians. Um, it, look, I think look at the end of the day, I think DeSantis wins by double digits. I yeah. think Charlie is knows it. I think that he's on his back footing and is kind of on his last leg as far as politically what he can do. I think that, uh, you know, this is, you know, DeSantis is very intelligent. You know, he gets, you know, obviously he's got a pedigree of that, but Mm -hmm. also, you know, he's been prepping and getting ready for this moment for a long time. And so, and and he's got a lot of wins under his belt, right? I mean, you know, I think had he done nothing else but keep the state open during COVID, I think that would have guaranteed him reelection. Sure. And I think that one area, that one political move, and what I love about it is, you know, I tend to lean more libertarian than most of my colleagues are. Yeah. And I was like, this is the most libertarian thing you can do. Yeah. You know, and I'm kind of qu- qu- trying to push behind the scenes to do the same thing with my, with, with my team that, that, uh, that, uh, that I have in the, you know, that I know in the governor's office. And I, so I applauded that idea. I thought that was the right way to handle it is mm. to, you know, as a libertarian, you kind of want, let adults be adults. Well, especially when at the federal level. Uh, they were kind of picking and choosing who could stay open, who could not, you know, who could right. work, who couldn't. Um, it, it, you know, in my opinion, again, not that, again, realistically, you can't really shut down the entire country. No. Well, define um, an essential jo- an essential worker for me. Right. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't know that anybody could have handled it any better than he did. No, I think th- I think that one thing is what has, you know, the, people kind of always ask me, when did the trajectory change for DeSantis? And mm-hmm. it was COVID. COVID absolutely changed trajectory trajectory because he was the one person. And I think this is one of the things I think that's evolving in our, in the Republican party is young Republicans are libertarians. Yeah. Like at their core, I would agree with that. That's who really the younger, younger group is. Yeah. I think on carry, you know, issues of marriage and issues of cannabis issues like that, that they're not nearly as concerned as their grandparents are. Well, and again, I would consider you a next generation Republican. And again, along the likes of, as we mentioned earlier, like Jamie Grant, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the younger legislators um, that, that have kind of come through and, and really made some incredible changes, um, within the state, you know, to kind of get us up to speed. Well, I mean, they've said, you know, it takes one or two of us to stand out there and say, it's okay to have these conversations as a Republican. And I think that's one of the larger shifts that I've seen occur, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you can't imagine like a decade ago, people talking about marijuana policy, uh, you know, as a regular course of of discussion in the Florida legislature. Now it it happens every year. So I I think that to me is exciting and, and, and is it just kind of highlights the libertarian shift. And I think that's what I brought to the legislature was this kind of libertarian bent where I was like, listen, you guys want less government and I want a lot less government. Well, and I also appreciate that you were also never afraid to go into the uncomfortable rooms no. um, where a lot of most of the people in our party are, Yeah, you know, and when I represented Senator Rubio here in the Tampa Bay region, I went to those uncomfortable rooms. I went to those events where we weren't normally welcome. Sometimes I wasn't even invited. I just show up. Um, but I think that's a better start. That's the way you start to make waves. That's the way you start to make, you know, relationships and start to kind of break some of that, those stereotypes, you know, when you actually start showing up and build relationships in those rooms where you're typically not expected to be in. Right. I mean, I think everybody has an opinion and everybody wants to be heard and sometimes just sitting down and listening to them is enough. Yeah. Right. They, they, they just want to be, they just want to share their perspective. And I think you come in as a, to the legislature with one perspective and then you're, then, then during the summer, what you should do is be quiet and listen 
to what your community's perspective is. Now, I'm not saying change your values. I'm not saying change your true north. But, you know, you, you got trim tabs a little bit here to trim your ideas up so that you can find how to how to make it work. Yeah. Uh, as far as the debate goes, um, you know, again, uh, Charlie, also a great debater. Um, not that he has a lot to work with. You know, he's going to attack him on property insurance. That's yeah. probably his number one attack. He's going to attack him on abortion. Right. number two attack. Yeah, that's what uh, I was going to ask you. Actually, you know, I think uh, those are the two big issues that he tries to bring back home again and again and again. I think other than that, what is he going to take him on on? You know, taxes? Nope, I'm going to do that. Hurricane right. response? The government's been fine on that. I think uh, and done a great job. I think you're going to see, you know, a vision for the state. You know, uh, I, I don't think I don't think that there's a lot that you're going to. There's not a lot he can go after right now. Well, the the past governor actually made a comment on Twitter saying that he was going to hold uh, the governor accountable in this debate stage. Do you think he's going to go anywhere besides the topics you just discussed? Um, he'll probably go into the don't say gay bill. He'll probably take on some of the social issue things that DeSantis has focused on over the last couple of years. I mean, I think those are the things that he wants to play. But, you know, to the general public, right, like they actually support overwhelmingly that legislation. Sure. Um, and well, and, I think you know, I think at least the concept of it. It seemed the, like the public it, actually took the time to truly, I guess, because it was such a big deal, to truly understand what some of that bill was about. Versus again, calling it the "Don't Say Gay" bill, right. when really it had nothing to do with that at all. Mm -hmm. um, and that was one of those kind of weird occasions where, you know, the the media didn't get to set the narrative on that one. You know, and it, and it really kind of turned back around on them. You know, because it seemed like the public was, was well. Once you explained was it, it more it. than the title. Then yeah. people, then people kind of, they're, they're, you know, they pulled more than the title yeah. and you said, here's what the bill actually does. I think people had a different perspective. Well, and the other thing I, I, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to is because what I've noticed is DeSantis pre uh, governor, you know, when he was running as governor is not the same DeSantis we see today. You know, we see, we've seen him adopt um, you know, some Trumpisms, you know, and some of oh, his man man mannerisms, yeah. speech and, and probably aggression, the aggression, I think. Well, and, and, and again, coming from someone who came up through the grassroots, right? Like tea party, all that kind of stuff that got me kind of fired up and got me engaged. You know, that was the one thing that I think Republicans had really missed the boat on for a long time was we wanted to see somebody fight back, somebody mm -hmm. to push back, you know, and, and, you know, some might say Trump goes a little too far, you know, and I would agree with that, you know, at times, um, um, but I, but like you said, DeSantis is more measured in the sense that you know the uh, that he's got not only his education behind him, he's got his military service behind him that I think kind of just molds him slightly, you know, in a way that makes it a little bit more palatable. Yeah, I think he's a smarter Trump, and his goal is to you know gain the Trump voters, and gain the confidence of the Trump voters, yeah. and I think he is much more self aware than than Trump is. Um, uh, and a lot of issues. And so, and I think he's just got a depth of knowledge of, of a lot of other issues that, that I think Trump doesn't have. Yeah. Right now, I think polls are showing uh, him with like about a nine, almost 10% uh, lead over uh, Congressman Chris. Um, you know, do you think he builds on that after tonight? Look, I don't really think debates move the needle as far okay. as, um, as far as, uh, I mean, unless somebody just absolutely does terrible and that's not going to happen with these two people that are professional at what they do. Yeah. So I, I don't think the debate moves the needle at all. Um, and I think things are kind of overwhelmingly into CSS's favor. I think he's, you know, money advantage. He's got 10 to one, what Charlie has left. Mm -hmm. And I think that's therein lies the challenge is that the, the, gov the governor, Chris never got his message out. He was just nowhere near able to, to get that out. Yeah. 
And whoever helps him pick running mates, I mean, is yeah. Just, that's the kind of, this thing is kind of, his cow. his whole kind of campaign has kind of been a disaster from the start. And really, yeah. it was like it's like failure to launch. Well, but I mean, even Carla was one thing, but Annette today it was also just as terrible. Yeah, it was. It's all failure to launch, right? He yeah. just has never got really going. And and DeSantis kind of you know he was. He, I mean, his rallies are thousands of people because one people believe that he may be president of the United States, sure. and so they want to get on the bandwagon early and support him. Um, and but he's you know he's, he's such a political figure on fox anymore that mm -hmm. you know he's kind of got that persona to him and uh, and so you know you know as it, politics is you know f fame for ugly people for the most part <laughs> and so Not um so yeah, so i think you know what you see is like you know he's you know he's politically famous i mean his is like one yeah. of the most politically famous people that we have in the country right now now we got you on a tight schedule tonight, so let's wrap up the topic on this question. Um, did you have one more thing? Yeah, there was a second tweet that Charlie Chris made a comment of in regards to defeat fascism, defeat DeSantis. What do you think he's going for with that? I have no clue. <laughs> I, I, he's just trying to tie him to Trump. I, I, I mean, I think no. he's just right. I mean, he. I don't even know that he. Well, first of all, you know, I, I don't even think he knows what he's talking about there. Um, I think he's. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? That's a that's a comms the comms team tweet. Yeah, of course it, it is. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Also, trying to I'm also loving the idea of the, the number of Hispanics that are starting to, to, to Oh, I think forward. that's the big shift that's occurring right now in Florida. You, right now at the moment they say that Florida Hispanics uh voted voters are giving the the governor fifty one to forty four and statewide and then four and then fifty six percent of Hispanic voters uh, approve DeSantis um job performance these last six months uh, Look, heavily in the Cuban American and Puerto Rican communities. So what I think you're going to see is DeSantis is going to win by, let's just say he wins between eight and 12, eight and 10 points. Um, that means the house is going to come back with two thirds. The Senate will likely come back with two thirds. Um, all of the cabinet offers officers win. And so we'll be a, you know, we're no longer really going to be a purple state. We're going to yeah. be much more of a red yeah. state after this. And, and I think that's going to be highlighted election night. Which again, given the demographic, how much the demographics have changed in our state. I mean, Democrats thought that they were, they almost had secured like vulnerability. Well, and I think that's the shift that we're talking about. The yeah. Hispanic shift, especially you know the the shift that's occurring in Orlando market. Um, obviously, you know the the shift in Miami Dade is much more away from purple towards red. Yeah. But uh, I think they were expecting you know the Orlando market, this I four corridor, to be this kind of bastion of of. Of, of votes for the Democrats. And I don't think it's going to play out that way. Well, and I credit that to, you know, nonprofits like Libre uh, Initiative, you know, um, which they've been doing a lot of advocacy now for 10 years in the Hispanic community about free market principles. Um, you know, they're, they're not as political. You know, I, think it's, uh, I think it's part of that, but I also think it's partly because President Biden has done a terrible job and inflation yeah. is out of control and sure. people are tired of paying, you know, 30% more for eggs and, tw yeah. you know, 20% more for gas. And, you know, those types of things start to matter. And so it's a pocketbook issue. Yeah. The, you know, uh, this was a, it's a midterm election. The president always, the, the power party that's in power always typically does worse in these elections. Right. But when you have a president like Biden, who is really struggling to kind of, do anything in every sense of the way to, right yeah. to move forward at all and you have these real problems like inflation that are really hurting people's pocketbook i mean it comes back to it's the economy stupid right and at the end of the day the republicans are going to take advantage of that and then ride the lightning here to uh to to election night yeah so what knowing that the governorship is really starting to pull away from this race, do you think that helps down ballot? Oh, 100%. Okay. Yeah, oh, of course. I mean, if you're, look, if you're, if you're voting for a Republican for governor, 
like you're already you've already committed right you're going to vote for the ag commissioner and the and the cfo and the ag you're not going to be bouncing around between r's and d's like you're like hey I'm, i've made a decision here and i'm going down the ballot you know and, and you know when you start getting voter fatigue you start looking up and you're like well i got a bunch of r's here i'll just keep going with the r's <laughs> um i think that's what happens and yeah. i think and i think overwhelmingly you're going to see but but more than that i think it's whose voters turn out mm-hmm. right like what democrat is really excited to come out and vote for charlie christ and his running mate who i don't even know uh and you know and that's what's going to happen in a lot of the state house races and state senate races and frankly because the the, that momentum has been with the republicans so long the money has all been with the republicans too and so they've been able to out message three four five to one Mm -hmm. their democratic opponents in in virtually every race that they're playing in so let's close it out with this um charlie looking like he's gonna lose he's uh from you know your backyard he's yeah. from pinellas county uh he's gonna be coming home soon what, what's next for charlie christ oh gosh who knows <laughs> does he go back to morgan and morgan yeah, and- no i don't <laughs> think so i really don't think so i mean you know i think he i mean hopefully he rides off into the sunset mayor of st petersburg no <laughs> no, the few no. Jobs he i just don't think done. he can get no. away from it i don't I, think i think i think it's just so ingrained in his blood and i don't know what he does all I the red bull i completely drinks. forgot that he was education commissioner i completely forgot that yeah. he was a, a an attorney general i mean these state senator no attorney idea. general yeah. he's yeah. Yeah. mayor of treasure island <laughs> Maybe that. Maybe we can give him one of these communities. <laughs> we'll be like, "Hey, listen, you can do almost no damage out here. Yeah, go with peace." And so, to, to kind of put you in the, in the hot seat that you've kind of already answered previously, uh, DeSantis does he does he make it another term or, or does no? He, he runs for president twenty four. Okay. Hundred percent. Like all right. that, that, that's all signs are pointing to that. Like yeah. the magic eight ball doesn't have you know sure. isn't going to happen on it. it My caveat has always been like, okay, if Trump is not able to run for. You know, it doesn't matter the litany of reasons right now. It doesn't matter whether Trump runs or not. This is his free shot. Yeah. Right. You've got to run in 24. Listen, if we learned anything from Bobby Jindal when he ran, like ex governors don't do nearly as good as current governors do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And same with same with Jeb explanation point. Like, I mean, you ex governors (laughs) don't do as nearly as well as current governors do because you need that pulpit. And you need that that momentum, momentum that generate that's generated while you're governor. Yeah, because you can make headlines. You Correct, can, right? Yeah. You can make the news, right? right? And you're, you know, nobody wants to talk to the which actually he's been Fox. very good at. I mean, his oh, team, hundred percent. No, hey, listen, he ha- yeah. he is a phenomenal team. Yeah, that you know finds these issues and then you know makes the most of them. Well, we were talking about you know before the show, we were talking about rock stars coming out of your office and Chris Spencer. He's fair. I mean, <laughs> you, you will never hear my team, me tell my, my team anything other than they're fair. And they know this. They've come to accept it. Um, but well, I've, I mean, I've been you, a great team. Yeah. I mean, you, you just said you've had, again, some some real standouts. RJ, you know, Chris. Yeah, RJ, Vince, Chris, uh, Vanessa, you know, yeah. Melissa. I mean, we've had a great group of, of people, Caitlin, that have come out of our team yep. and have gone on to do great things. And, you know, to me, that's the most exciting thing as a legislator is to see your team kind of grow and, and, and go, go on and take the knowledge that they've learned while they were working with you yeah but you will never hear our team like talk about like the individual office who we're always talking about us together sure and so that mentality has kind of carried on and, and we are you know we're still regularly in talks touch with each other you know once or twice a week well and that's the only way you really get anything done and you know especially when you're dealing with policy and i've never been much of a policy wonk uh you gotta love it right oh, yeah. you gotta love these the guys and grannies it. and yeah. you know to be able to 
develop meaningful legislation. And that was the thing. I always let my team play to their preference. Yeah. Like, you know, Vanessa did not like doing insurance work. She never did it. She did, you know, it was, it was always one of the Zacks that were doing it or Chris that was working on, gotcha. on, on property insurance. So yeah. for, for me, it's letting your team play to their preference and, and do what they enjoy doing because there's a lot of late nights, a lot of, of, of hard work. Cool. It really helps if you're working on something that you're passionate about. Oh yeah. Vanessa loved criminal justice reform and she worked on the prison system. And yeah, Cause the hours just fly by. I mean, you, yeah. just, you know, you know, you don't realize the hours you're putting in. That's true. Yeah. Well, uh, let's, uh, before we jump into uh, our next topic, I uh, want to reset the conversation here again, joining us tonight. Oh, that would be uh, my bad here. Um, is, uh, Florida Senator Jeff Brandis, uh, and uh, we got a special event that he's going to be a part of that we're going to be talking about here in just a minute. I do want to take a moment to uh, thank the Concerned Veterans for America as uh, our, one of our sponsors of the program. Uh, they're doing incredible work out in the community, and uh, they they are just uh, you know just kicking butt out there. And here in Florida, especially, you know, we have so many VA facilities not only in Tampa Bay but throughout the entire state. You know, and we need that watchdog group out there to make sure that we are doing right by our veterans. Uh, you know, and you would think that that would be a much easier task uh, given their sacrifices, but uh, government being government, uh, not. Not always living up to their promise uh, or you know certainly after everything that veterans have done uh, to put their lives and and their sacrifices on the line for our freedoms and, and our democracy and so uh just uh, very proud to have concerned veterans for america as a sponsor in this program to learn more uh make sure you visit cv4 the number 4a.org that's cv the number 4a.org uh david houston is our uh, tampa bay area uh, director uh he's doing incredible work as well we're going to try to check in with him uh, a little later on in the show uh, but again make sure you look up concerns veterans for america not only uh, their national uh, platforms but also their uh, state platforms here uh, in throughout florida so looked up concerns veterans fl uh, for the florida uh, outlets there so you can get involved and again support uh, our veterans and and so make sure that you know we're doing right by them uh, as they did for us um you know what we're we're we were able to get you on really because i know this is one of your passion topics and uh, and there's an incredible event happening uh, this coming weekend uh where you know it's going to be an entire day really focused on this topic and i'm not surprised you know that it's an entire day because it truly requires it given the depth of the topic and much like most of the broken systems in government um it just uh, there's there's just so much to fix um you know that you're you're almost best just starting over unfortunately um, you can't you start know, over with no. the justice system yeah right? um so so tell us a little bit about first about this event this weekend and 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 let's kind of then uh transition into where are we right now as a state in regards to criminal justice reform sure it's a criminal justice kind of symposium uh full day event and you know hopefully people will come out and kind of learn more about the, the florida criminal justice system what's working there's not much and what isn't working yeah. um and 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 kind of have a discussion about how we you know what are, what are, how do we improve public safety in florida and what are the outcomes that we want so i you know instead of just kind of talking about criminal justice reform it's like really what is what is the public safety outcomes that we want and what is what is acceptable um on the prison system what, what outcomes are we wanting and if we start with an outcome focused conversation then legislators can get comfortable with that and and they will hopefully define what they want 
right now where we operate in Florida is um, there no legislator really has defined what what outcomes they're looking for. And you know, mm. to me, I think Senate presidents and speakers and governors, frankly, should have to define the outlook outcomes they want. Right? We yes, we want a safer society. Great. How do we get there? Set more law enforcement on the street. Is that ensuring that people, when they come back to prison, have skills and are able to um, to become educated and while they're incarcerated and have the skills necessary to succeed when they're on the outside. Well, great. Let's look at the prison system that we have today. And does it meet those goals? I would argue, I think anybody who has been knowledgeable of the prison system in Florida would argue we aren't meeting those goals. Yeah. Florida today just largely warehouses people. Uh, you know, we have about 82,000 inmates. Um, 85% of our prisons are not air conditioned, not asking them to be Ritz Carlton's. Yeah. But um, when, you know, when you're in 120 degrees inside of a, warehouse it's uh, it's very difficult um, one to get along with people and to learn and to gain skills and so um, we, we find that that's very difficult but also to attract corrections officers 40% um, of our corrections officers will leave within the first year 60% will leave within the second year Wow and so what you have is a very very junior team um, and it's one of the reasons that the governor has recently had to call in the National Guard in order to supplement the prison system corrections officers because he doesn't want to issue emergency releases which is what the statute calls for once they get to critical funding to get critical um staffing ratios and is that what's been happening in some of these other states where they're where they've loosened up some of the laws some of the people that they've been holding on to uh, i think it, it, there's a variety of reasons why other states have changed their criminal justice policies right mm. and there's a variety of reasons that i would argue that florida should follow some of their lead in, in adjusting some of our criminal justice policies there are clearly people in prison that we never went out again the rest of their lives. Right. There are probably people in prison who committed an act that was their worst day of their life and they will never do anything again. I like to think of people, there are people in prison that we are scared of and there are people in prison that we are mad at. The people in prison that we are scared of, we're going to treat a certain way, but the people that we were mad at and wanted that they're going to get out, we should, we should be focusing in on those individuals and trying to help them succeed because most of them are going to get out of prison. Right. right. You basically, you know, about a third of the inmates in Florida are going to get released in a given year. Right. And so there's this constant churn um, of people in the, in the prison system. And unfortunately, most Florida prisons have 1500 inmates and zero educators. Um, they, most of them have no education opportunities. Half of your 82,000 inmates can't read at the sixth grade level. Wow. And so you say, all right, well, guys, if we want to public safety, public safety is our goal. And some of the outcomes that we want are people leaving prison better than we found them. Are we currently getting that or accomplishing that goal? And I think to, to a person, the answer is no, we're not. Right. So being a big key to that is, like you said, in empowering them with the skill sets that's going to reduce, you know, the recidivism rate. Right. Uh, and especially now when the world has changed so drastically, I mean, even in 10 years. Uh, certainly, I mean, as we've seen in some cases, the people that have been in their 20, 30, maybe 40 years, uh, it's, it's an entirely new world. I mean, it, they might right. as well have time traveled. That's correct. That's correct. But I think, you know, Florida has to divert people on the front end that are, you know, that prison's not the right place for them. One of the challenges we have in Florida is, you know, the prison system is the largest mental health provider in the state of Florida. And so because we are now doing so much in the mental health space, we're not, you know, we're, we're, that's kind of not, a, that's not well designed for a prison environment. Yeah. Right. Taking somebody who is acting out because they're clearly having mental issues and putting them in solitary confinement doesn't actually make them better. 
And we're seeing them as, as a large part of the homeless population as well. Sure, right. And so, I mean, really is, is the solution to bring back mental health facilities where those folks are able to go. I think this, the solution has got to be diverting those individuals from the prison system, which is ill-equipped to deal with people with severe mental illness. Right. Right. And whether that's kind of state hospitals but whether, or the, whether that's community treatment, there has got to be alternative solutions because that that is not what prisons are designed for. Well, and I would imagine the guards in those systems also aren't educated or well-equipped oh, to not. handle those individuals no. appropriately and, and don't understand, right? Well, don't understand no, they're, they're, a lot of the right, mental health challenges they're not They're not they're licensed psychologists, right? right? They've got six yeah. weeks of training, right? They're, yeah. they're not prepared for people who are clearly having all kinds of different um, uh, mental health issues. I think that just speaks to the challenge of the changing nature of the Florida prison system. But I think it's larger than that. It's like we have to be able to define our goals and we have to be able to 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 move in the direction of figuring and focusing on what outcomes we want and then adapting the best practices to get those outcomes. To me, it's that simple. Um, of course, behind that, the steps to that are billions of dollars in spending, changing some of uh, quite a few of our laws. Right. Uh, Florida is one of the few states that has both an 85% rule and no parole. Um, which means you're going to serve 85% whether it's nonviolent or violent offense. Mm. Um, and there's no possibility for parole for, for virtually any Floridian uh, in the prison system unless you were incarcerated prior to like 1983. Wow. So the people that are, there's still parole commission that still have grants people parole, but those people have been in for a long time. Yeah. And so, um, well, you know, I, I think, I think Florida should have a conversation about bringing back parole. I think you should have a conversation about 85 to 65% for not to nonviolent offenders. We know that the leading thing that we can do to encourage people to engage in activity while they're in prison system is to reduce a portion of their sentence. Now, I'm not saying you do it for the violent individuals because they're the people that you're scared of, right. but the people that you're mad at, let's have a conversation about what their world should look like and how we can incentivize them to do the right thing while they're in the car incarcerated. Well, and also a lot like we're seeing primarily on the cannabis front, uh, you know, where people have incar been incarcerated for small amounts of cannabis, you know, and, and there's, I mean, varying degrees, I'm sure you know better than I as to the extent of, you know, the, the, the time that they've been given, you know, for those crimes. Uh -huh. um, I, I would imagine there's other crimes out there in a similar way that, you know, over time, we just don't look at those crimes the same way that we that we may have back then and and probably they wouldn't be sentenced the same way well then. i think darren lies one of the challenges of, of the legislative process in florida is you know generally it's a kind of a set it and forget it model when it comes to criminal justice policy right and then the the move is oh well clearly there's still drugs in the streets so we need to make our sentences harder and harsher well that isn't always the solution right in therein if you know most most for example most people who are users are also dealers Right. Right. And so you, there's this very big gray area between somebody who's a user and who's a dealer and who's a true, true dealer, right? Like a, like a kingpin. Right. Because oftentimes the low level guys get caught up in the kingpin laws mm -hmm. and you know, these people are just addicts for the most part. Yeah. And we do a very poor job of treating them as addicts with some, with an addiction that we need to address. And and, right. a, and, a, and I'm somebody who believes that addiction should be addressed as like a mental health or a healthcare issue. Well, and a lot of times as it is. More I mean, so than a criminal justice issue. It's a way of self-medicating. That's know, exactly right, yeah. yeah. So, But I think what I'm excited about is we've been able to make this a Republican conversation. Right. Correct. Right, and I think that's the big shift that's beginning to occur is to say, hey, there are actually Republicans and if you look at the states that where they're having the most change in their criminal justice system, it's actually Republican states. 
And so what are what are some of the things that you saw during your time in the legislature where we were maybe able to move the needle and where do you see the most opportunity for the for the upcoming legislatures to make some change? Well, there's virtually unlimited opportunity. I mean, working on criminal justice policy in Florida is a little bit like being a firefighter showing up to a building and every room is on fire and you're the only guy there and you've <laughs> got to figure out where to start. Right. Right. And I figured out, listen, the way you start on this is you don't grab the hose, you grab the radio and call for help because you can't do it all yourself. Yeah. And so we need the best policy minds in this, in the country um, to kind of descend upon the leadership of the legislature and help build these plans out starting with what outcome do you want? What are you, you know, great. We want, you want public safety. Okay, great. Beyond public safety, what are the outcomes that you want? And, you know, we want it to cost less. Okay, great. We can have that conversation about lowering costs, but you know, we want to divert more. We want to deal with our mental health issues. We want to, when we people, we want people to re-enter society ready to for a job and able to access work. Mm -hmm. All of those things are great and noble goals that require money and require resources right. and require things that you've got to shift, begin to shift policy. I think one of the challenge Florida's faces right now is there really isn't a, you know, once I, I think I leave, there isn't a champion right now in the, for the state in the criminal justice system. And I think that's one of the torches I'm going to try to continue to bear while I'm in the legislature, you know, even when I'm out is to try to continue the conversation for criminal justice reform in the state. I think it's so vital that you have somebody who is a vision for what they want to accomplish and as a champion, but some it really helps if they're in the legislature and being a champion, right? Of course. Well, and, and you know, we, you know, talking about you know, and maybe appealing to the more fiscal conservatives out there. Uh, I mean, this is also a big burden it's on our legislature. Billions of dollars. I mean, yeah. we're, we're gonna we're gonna have to redo most of the prisons in the state of Florida. Um, that's going to be a multi billion dollar um, expense for the state. We, you know, we're we're having to adjust correction officer salaries pretty dramatically in order to just attract and retain them, mm -hmm. right? Because you can't have facilities that are that are unstaffed because that leads to more abuse, inmate on inmate violence, and inmate right. on staff violence, and staff on inmate violence. I mean, all of those things kind of go up. Contraband goes up when you don't have enough corrections officers on staff, and staffing has been a problem in Florida for like a decade, and so we we have um, real problems there, but it it ultimately means when we have this conversation about the outcomes that we want and we have a conversation about um, the goals of getting to those outcomes, who's going to champion those, that policy through and who are the experts that we're talking to in order to help us make the best decisions for the state. Oftentimes the legislature just doesn't want to deal with this. And unfortunately the sheriff's association has been, you know, the sheriff's association has kind of been a little, you know, they want, they want more resources. Yeah but they don't want to deal with the prison system portion of it, which is draining more and more resources and, and basically pulling resources out of local policing Yeah, because we have to spend it on the correction system side. I would love to put more police officers on the street. I would, but we have this massive hole that we've got to fix in the prison system of those that are already incarcerated. And we're going to have to spend some resources there. Well, even our police departments, you know, at every level are also suffering from recruitment challenges, sure, course, entertainment right. uh, challenges. The, therein lies the big, the, the big kind of push pull that's going on right now mm -hmm. is um, it, we have to have a much broader conversation about the people that we truly do incarcerate, the people that are there for mental health issues, the people that are there for addictions. Mm -hmm. And, and frankly, you know, the education and services that we believe we should provide those individuals while they're incarcerated. Now, uh, um, aside from the event, well, uh, first of all, uh, what 
what are you looking to accomplish with the event? What are, what are the goals for this event this weekend? Uh, you know, the, is, is it takeaways? Is it awareness? Is it big, solutions? What are you trying to accomplish? This I weekend? think the big goal is to build, begin to build the grassroots support for a larger conversation on criminal justice and prison reform in the state of Florida. Yeah. I think that's the, the big overarching goal. And I think this is the, the start of a conversation. Uh, and it's, you know, encouraging legislators to visit prisons, encouraging them to, to, to understand this. Most legislators have had very little interaction with the correction system as a whole. And why is that? Is it because, you know, at, at, the, at the campaign level, there's not, you know, anything because they don't have any family behind they, it? Many uh, of them don't have family yeah, members are in say, prison. The group of people that are probably getting elected to those positions probably have very little interaction because their families don't have the interactions. They don't have a history of having that run through, having to go visit family members. That's right. To go send money for family members. So, like, why would they have any kind of understanding of it if they've never had to deal with it personally? That's right. And so, and so how do you encourage them to begin to deal with it? I, mean, I clearly never had, I, you know, I had no interaction. And then all of a sudden I started going and showing up at the prisons at, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon or 2 a.m. For me, it was actually finding people that were doing the uh, voter, trying to get voter rights back mm -hmm. from to criminal people that have paid their dues and have gone through the system. Right. And the way I was getting more interaction was having those conversations yeah. with them about restoring voter rights. Right. And it just opened my eyes and seeing how much people aren't talking about it. That's a whole group of individuals that are coming out and that need the community support. Mm -hmm. So I think that to me, it's exciting because it's going to be a bipartisan group. And, yeah. you know, I don't care why you come to criminal justice reform, whether you're kind of a fiscal conservative and you just believe we're spending too much money on this area and we want to, we want to call back back. Or if you're somebody who you know, believes in the social justice side and, you know, or, uh, and that, that we need to be working on that, that piece. Um, I don't care how you get there. Just, just, you know, it's exciting to see Republicans, Democrats, libertarians have a conversation about what the criminal justice system in the state should look like and what's working and, and frankly the the vast majority of things that aren't working well correct me if i'm wrong i think it's one of the more important topics that are, have also not been overly politicized no, you I know agree. there I it's agree. not a, it's not a polarizing topic it's one that actually i think you can get everybody to the table and and genuinely try to find some compromise and develop some solutions for yeah i mean the great thing is there's there's 50 states of best practice you know with that, that are doing different experiments mm -hmm. and we can pull from the states and frankly those those experiments should work the same in Florida as they're working in the other states. We've identified some best practices that will work. And I know you got to go. What what would you say? Give me one example. What what is something out there that you say if you could get that you know that one wish from the governor? You know what would be the one program towards justice reform that you would want to implement tomorrow? Oh look, I passed. I tried to put a bill in yet last year that would allow Florida virtual schools to operate in the prison system. Oh wow! Um, one of the big challenges we have is not hiring educators and we can't hire educators so we have this whole Florida virtual school system sure right? yeah Why it's already not? there right, it's already there we actually have college educated inmates right not not a lot yeah, of them right. but some of them are sure and how do we incentivize them to be the educators and, and teachers but then how do we create a, a division of Florida virtual that focuses on justice education mm -hmm. that does virtual education in the prison system in order to improve the overall education outcomes of the prison system right in a system that has 1500 inmates zero teachers this seems like to be a low-cost way of growing into a space where they're where where they're desperate for these types of opportunities and so you know i think that's not 
on the policy side of like what criminal, what law I would want change. Yeah. But if there's one thing that I think would make a huge difference that I think we could find generally bipartisan support for, it is improving the education outcomes. And we already have a virtual school system. It just seems like a no brainer to not include them, a division of them in the prison system sure. and, and to provide more education. Well, and the technology has just made it so easy. Absolutely. And the technology has gotten so affordable. Correct. I mean, it's also not going to be a huge budget item. And it all goes to, you know, nobody says, well, we want people to come out of prison and not unable to read. Correct. Sure. Right. So it, let's find quick wins. Well, again, in, in the, and, and I would say that maybe, and I could be wrong, but it, it seems to me the most powerful way or the easiest way to reduce recidivism is, is through skill sets, right? Correct. Giving them those hard and soft skills where they can enter the workplace um, and, and, and kind of, you know, hit the ground running rather than come in and feel like they're, you know, 10 steps behind. Right. The two leading factors of when somebody re leaves prison of their level of success are do they have a job mm -hmm. and what kind of family are they going back to like those two yeah. things you know if they have a stable family and a stable job very very unlikely to commit new crimes but if they're leaving with 50 bucks in a bus pass and they're living under a bridge three days later virtually guarantee they're going to commit new crimes. Well, sure. Well, I mean, you know, the, if you're looking at it from a lifestyle standpoint, sure. you know, are you getting three meals a day? No. Oh, well, I was, you know, when I was in prison. But I'm getting health care. I'm you not great health care, but I'm right. getting health care. I'm getting sure. three meals a day. Got and, a roof and, over your head? Sure, right. Uh, so I think, you know, we've got to figure out as a state what outcomes we want in our prison system mm -hmm. and how do we want, how do we define the problem? And then we have to begin to attack it with leaders who have vision and who can be champions. And so as I leave here in a couple of weeks, my goal is to kind of carry that torch for the vision. I'm excited about these conversations, but also to help identify and then teach champions in the legislature yeah. to have a passion for the criminal justice system as I have um, over the years. Well, and again, giving your tenure, I mean, I think, you know, obviously I have plenty to offer to, you know, the legislators that are going to come after you and, you know, hopefully you'll, you'll have an open ear and, and, uh, and, and they'll, they'll, somebody, hopefully somebody will step up and want to carry that torch for you. Uh, again, I appreciate your service, uh, into the legislature, uh, you know, and thank you for also your friendship. You've always been, you know, uh, available to come and speak at meetings and, and, and even doing stuff like this. Um, give us the details on the event this weekend i don't have the deal okay it's, it's, they gotta go, <laughs> we'll somebody, gotta go to somebody else i'm just i was just asked to come speak and so i'm excited well, to do I, that and i'm then, pretty uh, sure don sent it to me in the yeah, email you, so you can you can Let look me, at that so. yeah i'll pull that up uh, but we'll also make sure to include it in the uh description of the event here perfect um so oh here it is so it is event information and horizon communities in prison uh, um, yep. Horizon Communities in Prison and Florida Prison Allied Partners present Tampa Bay Criminal Justice Summit. Uh, it's going to be October 29th, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., full day. It's going to be uh, a lot of content, but a lot of amazing content uh, that uh, it will be a Tampa prep. Um, so 727 West Cass Street, uh, it's, uh, right there in the heart of downtown. Uh, and again, this is going to be an incredible group of people getting together uh, here to, to brainstorm and, and try to you know find some solutions, you know, some common ground, and then hopefully uh, get to keep the ball moving in the right direction. I hope so. All right, I know you got to get going. I appreciate you. No, my pleasure. Thank Thanks you so, so much. Great seeing yeah. you again. You and please keep us in the loop on uh, on everything coming up next. You got it. We'll do it. All right. Talk to you soon. State Senator Jeff Brandis joining us here on. 
on the yard sign. Thank you, everybody, again uh, for listening and watching whenever, wherever you may be doing so. Uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to the audio version of the podcast on all the uh, podcast platforms out there, the, especially the ones at the Tech Overlords at Google. Uh, I, I messed up my own uh, my, my own little riff there. But uh, it's uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, Odyssey, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there. Uh, again, uh, look up the yard sign on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, also, thanks to Concerned Veterans for America for their sponsorship of the program, cv4a.org. That's cv4a.org. Do we want to try to run uh, the check-in with uh, David Houston? All right, let's see if we can go ahead and uh, get that update from him uh, as we get an update here on uh, Concerned Veterans for America. All right. Or we can just well, focus on me so that <laughs> we'll we can talk about Over to Enable. So on international news, we have the upcoming introductions of a new prime minister in the UK after the disastrous 43 days of the prior our prime minister. She actually almost fell in front of uh, King Charles. Uh, people that are, it's not Prince, it's King Charles. Get it straight. Um, in other news, Pakistan is still dealing with a, a one-in-a-century flooding with one-third of the country underwater. Uh, dealing with that situation, the, the current um, prime minister for China, actually, has now entered into a third term, and we're seeing all forms of uh, catastrophe at that uh, People's Congress that occurred over the weekend. It's been now three weeks now, and you actually saw a public display of them physically removing the prior premier uh, out of the building while cameras are still rolling. It was quite interesting to see all that. But in other international news, uh, we're seeing that happen uh, occurring. Uh, Brazil just elected a new, pre a new president. And I think that's it for what's happening around the world. <laughs> I like it. I like that little. I mean, we might have to keep your little worldly recap there around the world in 60 seconds. You haven't done it in Ebel's Attic in a while. And I realized that we weren't going to have an issue with the cameras. <laughs> so I was kind of prepared. Yeah, I know. You always don't want that uh, walkway to be a little awkward. You know what I mean? You it know? was getting there, but you fixed it pretty well. All right. Good. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, no, every once in a while, that uh, technical broadcasting degree kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> me telling the producer to look at me. <laughs> <laughs> look at me. I'm the captain now. Uh, How many a, times have we made that reference on this show? Many, many of times. All right. Let's uh, uh, go ahead and continue the tonight's show again. We appreciate State Senator Jeff Brandis for being an amazing guest, and uh, we'll hopefully uh, get to have him on again very soon as he's going to have his, his own major announcements. But, again, don't forget that event this weekend. It is the Tampa Bay Criminal Justice Summit. Uh, it's going to be 8-4. Uh, Tampa Prep, downtown Tampa. Uh, it's going to be a huge group of community leaders, thought leaders, elected officials from all over the state. So not just Tampa Bay folks either. This is going to be an amazing conversation uh, where they're going to tackle uh, and bring awareness to key criminal justice issues such as uh, conditions inside the prisons, which the senator touched on, and uh, the school-to-prison pipeline, among many others. And so, again, don't miss that event. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it, uh, it's, it's an important conversation that needs to be had and and again as i said it's it's nice to see that it's one of the few issues where it's not overly politicized red blue all that nonsense i was gonna i was gonna agree actually when it came to that because again my first interactions with that were individuals trying to change the system was our friends at um 
Oh my goodness. They're the ones that are trying to do the get rid of um restore voting rights. Oh right. For mm-hmm. um those that have gone through the system and they've right. lost them and they're trying to get them back. Which you know, I meant to deal. ask you know, I meant to ask the senator about because of course, you know, they had that policy where, you know, felons were restored their voting rights, but then there's been a lot of misunderstanding as to who can and can't vote. Correct. And and unfortunately there's been some who have been caught voting but what we're learning very quickly is that they weren't doing so maliciously uh again the 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 voting uh hasn't the the law wasn't very clear and also you know they were still allowed to register which again that also sends sends the wrong message um you know because okay if you're not eligible to vote then why are you being allowed to register Um, something else i think i think is going to come down the pike we've seen in blue states is the them trying to get rid of uh, bail reform get rid of bail sure yeah. which is causing havoc in illinois california new yeah. york and because these individuals are going are not even being able to stay in the system they're getting removed immediately because there's no bail and so you can't there's no mechanism to keep these these individuals yeah. that have caused large harm to stay in the system unless they do something capital yeah well, and I'm, you know, we got the guys here from uh, both Horizons community, Horizon communities, uh, and we got my buddy Don here, and so I'm guessing that's one of the other issues that's probably going to come up on Saturday, right? Is bail reform because I certainly understand the the advantage, and I certainly understand you know why these states are doing that, uh, but again, it it's kind of like you know that that you know it, the implementation, I guess, has just kind of gone all wrong, and, and you're seeing a lot of issues in other states. Yeah, in, I don't have it, I don't have an issue when it comes to bill reform. I have no issues whatsoever. I think, like you just said, this these very left, very blue states have taken it upon themselves to either get rid of it completely or have right. made it to where there's so limited limitations Yeah, you can't just it, rip it off the band-aid. Yeah, it becomes a huge problem. But then I also agree that people can't just be, can't go to prison and stay in prison because they cannot afford the bail. Yeah. There has to be some form of understanding and, and wiggle room in that situation. Well, yeah, that, that's the thing. I mean, you've got somebody who maybe was arrested for stealing something at a retail store that was maybe worth 20 bucks and all of a sudden because they can't pay bail, now they're stuck inside uh, the prison system you know because they weren't able to afford somebody to bail them out over a hundred bucks thank you i mean thank you laura for the letting us know about the florida rights restoration coalition yeah thank you very much so So, those are always good things Uh, uh, do you want to hit the next point yeah so let's go ahead and uh, jump into tonight's next topic again thank you everybody for watching uh don't forget to like follow subscribe click the like button and ring the bell and all that good stuff uh as you watch tonight's show we've got inflation to the moon talking economics uh, Nebel's uh, other favorite topic other than the monarchs um can we calm down well no even you know even jeff uh brandis mentioned it you know he talked about how that's going to be maybe the deciding issue in these midterm elections at every level both here in florida and across the country uh you know, they have not been able to figure out you know how to solve this they know how to feed and that's this is my frustration with it they know how to fix it but they don't want to admit that they know how to fix it because that would have to admit that their economic policies are wrong i don't know how you fix inflation without jacking up unemployment there's really no way to do it. you the goal right. the, so we have we but see the treasury knows that the fed knows that the, Sorry. everyone knows that but everyone's they don't, talking about it they don't, they, they don't want to they just yes they don't want to be the bad guy so we need parents and we need adults back into the White House and back at the Fed because what they should have been doing is they should yeah. have been raising interest rates slowly two years ago. 
slowly bringing it up a quarter, half a quarter. Like that should have been slowly moving up. Instead, we're getting 75 basis points, an entire point. And people are freaking out because it's causing huge problems. Now, it's not causing as big of a deal if it would have happened in 2008, 2009, because a lot of homeowners don't have arms. And so their adjustable rates are not adjusting because interest rates are changing. Everyone, majority, almost, I think it's like 82 to 90% of the country who has a mortgages have fixed rates. So it's like, that's not causing havoc on their side, but we were just, we were, we were a nation that got very used to cheap money. Yeah. And I mean, we've had, but like you said, on the average, other- it was like between two and 0.1% inflation increases the last five years. The, the time to have kind of started to t- to start to turn the lever would have been when things were good. Uh, it would it, honestly the beginning of 2021 would have been the would have been the start of it. We had inflation still at January of 1.4, Feb uh, February was 1.6, and then it just started teaking up more and more. And the problem is this: we're not that bad compared to the rest of the world. Sure, Great Britain is at 10 percent. Uh, I think Germany's at 11 percent. Brazil was at 18. Well, and that's what Pelosi and a lot of the Democrats were yeah. on the Sunday but that's talk the show worst saying. Thing, that's the worst. They're thing like, to well, say. everybody's dealing with inflation. Yeah, but I am not an elected official, so I can say <laughs> something like that. You're an yeah. elected official. You cannot say things like that because I don't care what's happening in Germany. I care yeah. what's happening in my city, in my state, in my grocery store. And don't get me wrong. Do I know how much milk costs at the grocery? No. And I don't, I, I have no idea, honestly, but I'm assuming <laughs> that it's high. Yeah. It's almost as high as a gallon of gas, which you also have done. <laughs> thanks to your, your lovely hybrid over there. Um, I still pay like $25 to get a full tank of gas. It's absolutely insane. Well, and again, there's no, there's, there's no good way to fix this problem. Um, no, it's going to be painful. The, the way you fix inflation is by cooling the economy down. And the problem is, and what people don't understand is that w- what's happening now is normally as inflation increases and as interest rates increases, then people don't want to buy, don't want to build, people don't want to invest. That is not happening. We had an unemployment rate that dropped again. We had uh, employment of 287,000 last month. It, it, things are going faster than we were expecting and so yeah we've we've gained an extra few million people in the job market and companies are like it took us forever to get these people a few months ago why am i gonna let them go now even though we are we're about to get into a recession and that's a whole other thing no one's talking about what a recession is anymore what we were taught was that a a recession is two months two quarters of negative growth well because the biden administration chose to redefine what that was yeah but that's because of an election so right now you have half the country thinking that they're not in a recession well, you have maybe a quarter of the country thinking that there yeah, is no yeah, recession. Yeah, you have the media. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then you no have recession. the rest of the country thinking it's definitely a recession because I'm I'm taking less money home. So the value of my money has decreased significantly compared to what it was last year. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I do know what's going to happen. It's going to hurt come Q1, Q2 of next year. And we just have to get through this election cycle. But it's going to be it's going to be rough. The way you cut inflation is by you cutting the, the, the spending of the federal government. And right. that's very difficult for a lot of people. But right now, I mean, again, Democrats are just obsessed over what's happening in Ukraine. And I know you think, too, we should just keep printing money and giving them a blank check. I never check. said that. You, you have not shown any opposition to the billions of dollars that I we've given I have never said that we should be giving them a blank check. I feel that... You haven't opposed a single a, a single. When have we ever talked about opposing anything here? Well, when we've talked about the amount of money that we've been giving them, it's like I don't care what it takes. However, money it takes, let's just keep them giving them money as I long as it that, keeps us out I of getting involved. National po- politics and foreign policy are two completely different things, and we should keep it at that. <laughs> how, how convenient for you. <laughs> 
If only it actually worked that they'll way. They'll be back. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I, I understand what you're trying to do and you're trying to bait me into this argument. Well, the other thing too with, you know, the big misstep here with the Biden administration is that they've obviously, you know, burned the bridges that they needed to keep our gas prices low. Oh, today was a nightmare. And they're you tapping, saw what happened today, right? Continu- no, well, no, that's what you're here for. <laughs> and and so they continue to tap into the oil reserves, uh, which again is going to put us into a well, horrific that, spot. That caused now, even more problems. what I loved was Biden trying to explain how, no, we're, 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 we're getting rid of this gas now, but we're going to buy it at a lot cheaper than what it is now. So, as if like somehow he just magically controls the market and so, he thinks that he's going to replenish our reserves with $70 a gallon, uh, a barrel. So that was actually very strategic of him to give a percentage amount of how much he was willing to pay for oh. it to go back. Oh, he said $70. Yeah, I know. That's oh. per gallon. Not so, a percentage, but yeah. Well, that it sets the bar of how much the floor is going to be when it comes to the uh, per per barrel of oil. Mm-hmm. And I think that is now pu- having some people have a conversation with, okay, so we can kind of get in if we know that the president is already, again, this isn't policy. He just said it randomly. And yeah, like but now are, you've got to spend all this money to, to out, refill the oh, reserves. Yeah. I mean, now people are trying to figure out what's going to happen. But the problem is this, we have a huge issue that, I mean, he went, he could have start restarted the Iranian um, project and be able to get that. He went to Saudi Arabia, gave the guy a, a fist bump. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's completely destroyed a uh, local and, and, and domestic production. Uh, we're not refining more. We haven't built a refinery in this country in 30 years. I mean, th- yeah. yeah, we could pump all the oil we want, but we're pumping oil in the United States to then ship it overseas so it can get refined, so it can get brought back to the United States as gasoline. It's just, it's, it's, it's bollocks what's happening. Right. And like, no one understands how to deal well, with it. Because this. of the environmental wing of, yeah, of it's, exactly. yeah, they're doing that. So then they can get around the environmental restrictions, which again, States, it's that which same you're inv- not doing. It's the same environmental wing that's caused, you know, the, the, dr- the drought in California. It's like you thinking that you buying a hybrid vehicle is going to benefit the, the, the environment when <laughs> the, the vehicle itself is detrimental to the environment. Right. And 80, I think 80% of the battery cannot be recycled. At yeah. least with your mini, whatever Cooper, at least that, <laughs> can be recycled into other other things i know but i still want a cyber truck i know but i do so too. badass so we're going to be sharing a cyber truck once it actually gets in here i'm very excited for that yes as soon as i find out those kids are digging up that lithium <laughs> for my cyber truck man i'm i've got my money ready to go are we going to go to uh chile or we're going to go to <laughs> lagos <laughs> oh man one of the things I, I wanted to include in the first topic about the the preview of the governor's debate uh, happening, you know, right now. Right now. Um, was also, you know, because you had also talked about, of course, you know, us being two weeks from the election. Um, the numbers have really swung back towards Republicans. You know, yes. again, you know, voters have a short-term memory, short-term attention span, really. Well, and, 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 you know, I feel like, the dust has somewhat settled on the Dobbs. Yes. On the abortion issue. You know, those who were fired up, got registered to vote. Some of them have probably already voted um, or will vote. But of course, the big question is, is that enough to defeat Republicans so, in the midterm? I'll say this. And- I th- yes. So I'll say this. I think what's happened now is people have realized what the decision did, didn't really affect them on their day to day. When it came to having abortions on demand, most laws already had exactly most states already had laws in place for that. Exactly, so we already had that kind of contingency in there. So really, that wasn't that big of a deal once this, once the dust settled. Yeah. The second point of that is that at the end of the day, you look at your checkbook, and you because of that, you really determine how you're going to vote. Now, I, I look at Kanye. I mean, 
Whatever Kanye wants to do. That's Can we uh, not talk about <laughs> ye? <laughs> Even though I believe he is, he's about... 10 years into our future that's been my wife's definition <laughs> oh my is that uh that lord he, help us that he is about 10 years into our future so because of that i am perfectly fine with letting hearing what he has to say he speaks to us in our future man i don't know what he's i mean look i think had he stopped at the abortion thing <laughs> oh man he'd be a champion right now <laughs> He would be. I mean, think about this. The abortion thing think for about, his community is crazy. Think about how big of a statement that was that Google actually censored all the stories that came out about him making that statement. Yep. Um, because that's how powerful that yeah. is. If he had stopped there. <laughs> but, these, but people like him don't know where to stop. Like That's a whole no. different conversation. And the truth is, is that, you know, I've watched documentaries on him. I've watched a lot of video of him. Um, because he's he's a fascinating individual. He shaped a lot of pop culture. I mean, he's a billionaire. Incredible. Well, and and again, it's it as again, you know, people want to belittle him and say that you know he's off his meds and things like that, and and you know there may be some truth. He's to that. still influencing culture. You know, he but, still influences yeah, culture. Exactly. I mean, those ten issues that I like, I, you see, like people making fun of, they're the most comfortable things. I got to wear them. I was like, oh my, I'm not going to buy them. It's a thousand dollars, but they are very comfortable. And I was like, and it's because he took out the fashion part of it and did yeah. more like. Ergamo, the word is for it to feel better, but I think it just it made people understand that look, yes, he's crazy, but a lot of people that are geniuses are crazy, and sure. that's what's going on in that situation. I will say this: Dana Prio made a comment today, and she made she was very correct to say is that yes, the wave is starting to break. We still have a little bit under twenty days, uh, 14, 15 days now uh, before um, the voters start before um, the election day, and it's breaking in our direction. Do not measure the currents yet. Mm. Do not overestimate the wind. Do not do anything. Continue to run like if you're running five points behind. Yep. Because the, the worst thing to happen is that for the wave to occur and it not to occur in your district because you weren't out there. Well, DeSantis had an email come out, I think, yesterday or today saying that they still needed like $22 million or something like that, you know, to meet their budget, you know, for this campaign. Meanwhile, I mean, again, reports are showing he's nine points ahead, you know, and possibly will be in the double digits uh, once uh, election day comes around. I mean, so, which, yeah. which would be the biggest spanking the Democrats have gotten since Jeb Bush. So, um, so I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's, this is going to be ugly. So evidently the debate is officially over. And, uh, uh, Dr. Leo is saying that just finished the debate. The worst part of the debate was the audience. People need to calm down. People are saying that the others are saying that there was very strong opinions against the current governor. And so it opinions was opinions from whom? the audience. So evidently it might've been a left leaning room. Got it. Where was the debate anyways? Which we were talking about that before the show with the producer is uh, Fort Pierce. What? Which I would hard I would find that hard to be in an unfriendly room to the governor. Mm. I'll have to see uh Leo if you can keep on talking about what's going on in the comments. But it's section. also C-SPAN. So it's I wouldn't be surprised if and they you like know all those people were handpicked to go They bust people in, you know, yeah. probably like from West Palm Beach. Like the Russians. You know the West Palm Beach Democrats, they probably they probably came up to Fort Pierce. Probably. I mean, I'm sure it was like in Mercedes Sprinter vans, but you know, <laughs> but they, I'm sure they came up to uh, to Fort Pierce. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch the debate. I really don't care. My vote has already been put. I, I have not voted yet. I 
my household votes day of. It's a very family thing. We go to the I we all go to the parents' house. We have breakfast. We all go to my mom's voting location. So then she can see. So then we can all see her vote because it's still it's very nuanced because this is now sure. her, her second time that she gets to vote. So yeah. we're gonna do a big thing with flags and everything, and then we'll go home and we'll vote in our sections as well, and then we'll go campaigning for our people that we want to get elected. So we're pretty excited for this voting cycle. But I am pretty. I'm, I want to say I, I felt a little bit more comfortable now that the senator made the comment about how it's like a vote voting down the ticket, which I'm a little concerned about because we're in Hillsborough County. So Hillsborough County will probably not vote for the governor. Right. However, there will be pockets where the governor gets majority of the people. So that might help West or yeah, that might help West Hillsborough County. We, we have a long, a lot of Republicans running the district. Jay Collins, where I think Karen we're going to see Scott Levinson, like yeah. that whole area is nothing but Republicans. But where I think we're going to, what's going to be the most telling as to how dramatic of a win this is going to be is going to be Miami. Yeah. You know, we've got Maria Salazar running against Annette Tadeo uh, for Congress in that district. Annette Tadeo, again, um, a failed uh, running partner of Charlie Crist when he previously tried to run for governor. Um, and uh, she's a weak candidate. So the only thing really helping her is the fact that she's a Democrat. Uh, Maria can, I'm sure can run circles around her on policy. She's phenomenal. Oh yeah. When you get her in front of a camera, she is phenomenal. She's incredible. There's another podcast uh, with my former boss, Adam Goodman and Justin Safey, who Mm -hmm. owns Safey Review, both incredibly influential political guys um, who interviewed her. It's called 13th and Park. And she just, just the energy and the passion and, you know, is perfect for that district. Yeah. Because that was the that was the only way you were going to flip that district from blue to red, was to have someone who has lived the the you know lived socialism right and and she you know has both directly and indirectly has felt the effects of socialism throughout Latin America you know having been a journalist yeah. covering it for decades um, and you need somebody with that level of conviction to again sway the votes necessary to uh to keep that district red and, and i think she's i think she's she's gonna perform better off on an election day than yes. than people are anticipating so i will say this we've had her on the show yeah and we've interviewed her she's a phenomenal interviewer and she did a great job and she's very passionate everything else i wouldn't be so i mean i'm not afraid of her not carrying that seat at all i think she will carry the seat and again this turns florida into a solid red state and now the the media is more focused on what's happening in texas and every cycle they say texas is going to go blue texas is going to go blue and what happens texas never goes blue by like by four to five four to six points so i don't know where people are coming at it when it comes to that but i'm very excited to see what the governor's race in in texas looks like the senate races in texas uh ted cruz was on the view for some odd reason i have no idea why he was on the view but he got they were they were hecklers like climate hecklers oh he went to yankee stadium yeah now tell me that's a problem he had big ones going there i mean it's ted cruz no one's gonna do this no one's gonna oh they 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 heckled hard oh yeah but you're in new york it's the bluest of blue cities yeah my issue is this these these climate people activists are getting more brazen every single day oh these are just yankee fans and they the- were just awful they didn't have any policy positions they just wanted to heckle they just them hate, for the they sake. Just hate people well they just hate texans i mean you know it's like 
Well, half of their companies have gone to Texas. So I don't right. Know the, well, New Yorkers just hate everybody. That's half of those New Yorkers are that are at the stadium vacation here in Florida. Right, like, exactly. I don't know what their problem is. Yeah, it's a bunch of haters. I don't understand those people at all. Anyways, the climate the climate change activists are becoming more and more brazen, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're the ones that caused the apocalypse. Honestly, well, you see the whole <laughs> there have been multiple movies where they've done something stupid, like release monkeys out of. A, well, they had the the whole tomato soup on the Van Gogh, you know, which at four at first i mean everybody was horrified but then you come to learn the artwork's protected by glass well thankfully. a lot of well a lot of its stuff is now protected by glass yeah. because of what happened i think four or five years ago with an activist but did you see what happened at the it was that the some auto show in germany or, or london that they were they glued themselves to the car and to oh, no. the the floor and they're like we're protesting and the guys are like at the show they're like yeah we support you guys protesting but we're not going to give you because then they start demanding toilets and they start demanding everything like, no you're gonna have to shit your pants that's <laughs> what you want you gotta do it and they right. had to leave a few hours later because they all had to relieve themselves of course and they, of course they weren't going to do it on like in public and i was like Panties. <sighs> If you're going to do that my if you are going to tie yourself in front of you a, commit if you're going to lock yourself in some form in front of like i don't know a highway you better commit to get hit by a car yeah i'm okay with that no really i mean if you're gonna go go all the way uh, I mean, the, also, the gluing thing though is new and, and stupid in my opinion I don't understand. Didn't they kill horses to make that glue? Like that's a that's a thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you be using? Synthetic? But like, really, come in. I mean, where the handcuffs? Where the zip ties? Where the you know? Well, zip ties are plastic, <laughs> so those yeah. those are used by by oil companies created by oil. Yeah, and then um, I don't know. Maybe they're just they don't have that kind of exciting. Um, extra activities in the bedroom <laughs> to have have some form of oh, lockups. God, you had to go there. Where else am I going to go? They don't like. Oh, they don't like mm. police officers. So of course they're not going to carry something that yeah. that shows the the man has the power. You know, you know, really quick to touch on. You know, again as we talk about election day, <laughs> Anna Paulina Luna. Um, it's been really quiet. Oh, she has it. it I don't. No, she I haven't. I mean, she's not making the noise she did like in the I primary. Saw her, I saw her over the weekend. At the big event, at the Hispanic Outreach event in in Carrollwood in Citrus Park, yeah, but it's, and it's, she got into it. Oh, I oh, this is this is inside baseball gossip. So okay. she got into a few people that were there trying to talk to her afterwards, and she was like, "Well, I I'm not going to go to your event. I'm not going to speak to your people because you guys wouldn't let me speak." at the last event, big event. And so you guys almost pushed me off to not get on. So she walked away and we're like, oh, re it was against those guys that are the guys running from prison. Oh yeah. I don't even know. His name. I don't care either. And so, I mean, he's not going to win. There's, there's no way that's going to happen. No, but, but that was a really good win. That had all the, that had all of the congressional district representative. Laura Lee was there. Yeah. Um, 14, 15, uh, 13, 14, and 15 were there. So it was, a, it was a good show. I was very surprised. I just don't mean, like, she's just not rattling the cage. Like, Why she's does she not, need to? She's in a plus 12 district. Well, because she's, well, it, but still, it's not a guaranteed win. It's, it's, the, a, first, it's a guarantee. It's, it's oh, the first she's time. almost locked in. It's the first time that, again, this district has been drawn this way. Yes, but this district is a plus. Before, I would agree with you. It was a plus three with the governor, with a pre uh, post-governor in there. So And he had grown up in that district. So, of mm -hmm. course, Charlie Chris was always going to win, no matter what 
even now he'd probably win that district because people know him. He's a great politician and great and great retail politician. But now Anna Polina is running in that district. She's been running for four years now, basically, because she never left the district. Yeah, that's something that I give her kudos for because we know people all the time. They run Johnny. How many? How often? People run, they lose, they disappear, yeah. and then you don't see them until two weeks before they have to file for to run again. Right. Whereas she stayed in the district. She went to events. I saw her in many places. So like she was a part of the district, and I, I look forward to seeing Congressman Anna Polina Luna. So with, and then Laura Lee is running in 15. So it's going to be a great race. I think she's going to lock that one because that's like what, plus 18 basically. Yeah. The only one that I don't think is going to achieve the position that he wants is James Judd. I mean, District 14 is very difficult. No. It is, it's still a very, it's like a red five or seven. It's very red. I mean, very blue. It's, I believe it's a five or 7% blue points. So it's very difficult to run in that race. And this is his first time running in that district. If he wants to do it again, I, I commend you to run again and see if you can pull it off the next time. You would need. We've talked about aside this. from Yes. I mean, uh, numerous times, but aside from a literal act of God, you would also need to be in a presidential cycle where you can yes. benefit from the top down ballot. And even then. And <laughs> right. And you would have to have more money than Trump. Yeah. Um, you uh, it would just you'd have to have the support of the NRCC and everything that comes with it. So we've talked about this and yeah. the, the, there are three things to win in district 14. It's name recognition. So you've been in the district for a while, at least 1.5 to $1.8 million. And that money is then used to hire an army. It's just not drawn for it's Republicans not, and it's to win. Not, it's not meant to for, and I think that's something that people don't talk about. It's not right. meant for us to win. It is, it is quite literally gerrymandered and signed off by both parties to keep that a blue district. But, you know, again, people don't want to accept your own, your own. the reality of the world we live in. It is what it is. All I mean, right, everybody. We could, talk, we could talk about it all the time, but yeah. I mean, we literally have told people have laughed at us because we're like, what are you talking about? We'll no, just send not. them this clip. Every time somebody wants to run for that seat, we'll just send them this clip. Hello, and welcome to the Yard Signs. <laughs> on why you shouldn't run for District 14. We are so happy that you've made the decision to run for public office. <laughs> but as Johnny and I would like to spend the next two minutes to tell you, it is the wrong district the wrong district i mean at, at the end of the day there are just too many democrats that are living in that district again when if something were to happen oh wow why are people liking my harmonics <laughs> <laughs> i would love for you if you're willing to run in district 14 i want you to run as a county commissioner or a city council member something else because your goal if you're running for district 14 i'm sorry it's it's become a monologue is for you to serve the people and what a better way to serve the people in that district is by getting at least getting into office i mean that's the goal if that's what you want to do then run for office if you want to be a congressman to be a congressman i'm sorry this is not for you then like your first run should not be a congressman especially if we have never heard of you God. yes please <laughs> If two Hispanics you have never run for office, <laughs> Congress should not be the first seat that you run for. If you don't have your own money of at least yeah. four million or more dollars to run, and we've never seen you, Johnny, we see everyone. We right. talk to everyone. We at least run into some people. But for us never to have seen I you. I mean, what would be the net worth necessary? What would what would the personal net worth need to be to to self-fund? Would it be half half a million? No, no. I mean half a billion. Sorry. No, 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 no. You need to have disposable income that you're willing to burn at least four million dollars. Yeah, so Rick Scott money. Yeah, Rick Scott money. Because <laughs> <laughs> he can oh do whatever he wants. Do you think Rick Scott will run for president? 
Oh, absolutely he will. <laughs> absolutely he will. In fact, I oh think he's gonna God. I think he's gonna run against I think he's gonna run against uh DeSantis. I don't the problem with his kind There's of no money is there. that he does oh my gosh. I've told I've been told you cannot fit both of them in a room. Well, again, I mean, you know, look, I'll preface this by saying DeSantis has done, is doing an amazing job with hurricane recovery efforts and all that jazz. Um love love that. But the fact that he shut out Rick Scott yeah. in the process, yeah. not cool um, and unnecessary. Politically, I get where you're coming from. Um, you know, and maybe he just knows he's gonna be a he's gonna be a presidential um, adversary. The problem is Rick Scott doesn't have to raise the money. That's the thing. Oh no. And Rick Scott has a really good track record. So like right. there's not that it's not gonna be that big a tit for tat situation. Yeah. He was a great governor for eight years. He did phenomenal. When you see the when you see the hat comes on for the like, Navy hat. Oh it's a whole different person. <laughs> and I love it. I'm there for that. Yeah. When he becomes a different person because you know he's being honest, he's being true. And at the, and he looks different when he does that in those situations. Now, You're right. It is a different side of his personality. A, I love it. Out. I'm all about it and then when he does the in-person like groups of people like he does 20 30 40 people events those are phenomenal mm -hmm. you get to shake the hand you get to talk to him he'll give you a card he sometimes even gives you his cell phone number so like you're able yeah. to communicate with him don't get me wrong the the head tilt to the side i could do without <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it's 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 a good look it's a yeah. good look for him now ron DeSantis has is the current governor people are loving him he's going to do a phenomenal job if he wins by more than 10 points He's going to become, he's going to run for president. Aesthetically, DeSantis has the whole package. Well, he's, he's not as tall. He's got the beauty pageant wife. He's got the good looking kids, kids you know, the home. kids that are, you know, still, you know, 10 still and young, under, yes. you know, and, and so people love that kind of fairy tale stuff. Uh, I think that's going to play into his favor. And, but those are both very, very smart guys. They're very smart guys, but are they smart enough to know if Trump jumps in to not get in? I don't know. Man. I don't know. Can you imagine three candidates from Florida? Yes, I can, and that's the problem. <laughs> we already had that situation. We had, we had uh, Jebby. We had right, Marco. Right. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't have a third. Well, Trump wasn't in Florida yet. No, he wasn't still in New York. He was so still like, in New York, and we so we quasi had three. And with the pre with the president in there, so we already had that situation. Yeah, I don't think Marco's going to run again. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's already concerned about becoming sane senator. The the risk you run is is Trump taking you down the way he did all those other guys and basically bumping you down a notch like for good. Yeah, and that's the problem. I can definitely see him doing that to to Rick Scott. I mean, no 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 amount of money is going to protect you from from Trump. No. All right, we're going to try one more time. We're out. Again, we uh, just love having uh, Concerned Veterans for America as uh, our sponsor on the show. We get them on um, the show. You can also check them out on our brand new website. Hey, hey. Yeah. Beep, beep, beep. Which uh, so many of you guys visited. I'm so excited. Uh, last week, uh, we had great numbers on the website. Uh, he, you know, so I appreciate y'all for visiting. It's the yardsignshow.com. It's the yardsignshow.com. Uh, and that was uh, very cool to see you all go there, visit. Uh, you can learn a little bit more about yours truly um, uh, and uh, learn next to nothing about an evil. Um, I like you know. to be like that. I'm very, very <laughs> mysterious mysterious yeah i don't mm -hmm. like people knowing 
much about me and my life. <laughs> it is what it is. I apologize. How convenient. How convenient. I just got the co-anchor situation. I've been. Oh, I please. I haven't had that in a long time. You haven't missed a show like in two years. Uh, I, I'm, all I'm saying, I've been a guest, a regular guest, and now I get the co-anchoring <laughs> site. I'm very, uh, I'm very complex. I just, I just, I'm so happy. Yeah. Don't make me go back on that. Right? So, the Academy, thank you so much. Oh, wow, you cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I was about to, I was about to play you a little sound effect here. Yeah, if you could actually figure out which one actually works. I know. It's a whole nother car. You like me. You really like me. <laughs> I can cry on command. <laughs> Not really. I can't. I'm sorry. Lauren beat that out of me. All right. We're still working on all the kinks here with uh, our uh, with our technical stuff, but uh, we're going to try to check in with uh, David Houston. Concerned Veterans for America, CVA, the number 4A.org is their website. Uh, let's see if we can get this update in from David. Three, two, maybe. No. All right. Uh, well, again, you know, they do amazing work with veterans. Um, and, you know, I just want to make sure that I pull up all of the right uh, talking points here because uh, it's just incredible, you know, that we have them as, you know, a sponsor of this program. I mean, just given the incredible work that they do, um, again, uh, you know, everybody, you know, in political circles calls them CVA, you know, and then everybody knows exactly what you're talking about. All right. But they're a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization known as the Voice of Veterans for Freedom and Prosperity. Okay. That is at the core of how they get things done. Um, they specifically and, and most certainly are laser focused, uh, let me tell you, on working to hold the VA accountable. I mean, if you want to talk about any changes the VA has been making uh, that have been beneficial to veterans, it has been largely due in part to the work that CVA is doing. Uh, they hold them accountable by promoting policy changes to ensure better health outcomes for veterans and encourage, their, uh, encourage elected officials to keep America's promise to those who have served our nation. And it's just that simple. We're just trying to keep our promise to those who kept their promise to us in serving this uh, great nation. To learn more about how you can stand for American freedom and prosperity, contact our buddy David Houston at dhouston at cv4a.org. Uh, you can also check out their website, of course, cv4a.org. The uh, they're on Twitter. Concerned Vets FL for the Florida branch. It's Concerned Vets FL. Or, of course, search for them on Facebook, Concerned Veterans for America, Florida. All right. And that's for everything happening here in Florida. They do tons of events. They're doing voter outreach. They do fundraisers. They do all kinds of really cool stuff. And again, you don't have to be a veteran uh, or don't have to be a from a family of veterans. Uh, if you just believe in supporting the men and women who have sacrificed uh, everything for this country, uh, I uh, strongly urge you to participate and join uh, the Concerned Veterans for America at CV, the number 4A.org. All right. I think on that note, we're uh, ready to bounce out of here. This is a great show. Thank you again to State Senator Jeff Brandis. Um, and uh, thanks for your little 60-second uh, around-the-world update. There. You know, I think if we limit it to 60 seconds, I think I, I, think I can do it. I can handle 60 seconds. Yeah. Also, by the way, if, if it, uh, that's let's, about it. let's have that conversation at the time. <laughs> also, uh, there, has been, what I meant. there has been a letter from the RPOF written by Joe Gruder saying that all <laughs> that as per section, Article 3, Section 4, 
or the entire board of the Hillsborough County Republican Party has been dismissed. Even better. Oh, even even better. Even better. Uh, I hope something like that. Uh, the inability to fill certain vacancies in the REC, I intend to fill those vacancies by appointment of eligible individuals, Ooh. if not filled by the REC within the next 60 days. Am I getting appointed? The attached list includes the list of precincts where a vacancy now exists in the Hillsborough County REC and where I intend to make an appointment of the precinct committee man and committee woman, if not filled within the next 60 days. It is important that we grow the party. I love it. I I that's a definitive. Okay, we're we had a fun time last week. It's something. <laughs> I mean, it just means that now all those pe- those 160, 180 people that were at the HREC and that certain members did not want them to be a part of the organization now can kick rocks because these people are going to become members. Yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. And some of those, uh, as we've spoken before, need to be contested. Yes, completely so. so all right. On this that note, fun. thank you, everybody. Thank you to Enable David Cabrera, again, to State Senator Jeff Brandis. Uh, and uh, we hope to bring you more elected officials, more candidates uh, as we get closer to Election Day. Um, please feel free to reach out if you happen to be one of those individuals and would like to join us on the program. On that note, make sure you like, subscribe, follow, ring the bell on all our social media platforms. And if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, make sure you check us out at Google Tech at the Tech Overlords over at Google, Apple, Spotify, Audible, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, uh, Samsung podcast platforms, and more. On that note, good night, everybody. Good night.